I don't. Um, before we get started, there are a couple things on my heart. Um, you're going to get them at different points of today. But um, if, if you picked up a bulletin, there's something beautiful on the back that you might miss. And I don't want you to because um, I want to thank God for you. We have been struggling, wondering if we're going to get to this OPG opportunity. Um, this is the first time in a very, very long time when this number for year-to-date giving has moved well ahead of the amount needed. We were at one time close to $40,000 behind to the point where there were going to be people that we're going to have to go um, on staff. And, and, and that would compromise what God is doing in, in the city, in the church, in the college. And you've been, you've been so faithful. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to get there. Um, it would have been... Um, so much easier in certain ways, but we had to go this way. Um, and we'll talk more about that maybe, but I thank God for you. I thank God for you. Um, today's message is called Life Nav, N-A-V, Navigation Life Nav. Um, and I don't know if you've ever had a nav system in, in your car uh, or one that you've rented, but these things were invented with me in mind because I do not have a, a sense of direction. I can get lost in city market. Um, uh, now, I will go on record on the podcast and in front of God and you and say that the women in my life, my wife, Sheree, and, and my daughter, Quincy, are much better drivers than I am. Um, And I say that, A, because it's true, and B, so you will not think that I'm a chauvinist when I ask the next question, which is, why is it that every nav system is always pre-programmed with a woman's voice telling you how to drive? (laughs) Whose decision was that? Do you think a guy made that up? I don't think it was random, and I think they could take it to another level if these things also worked in parking lots. Park there, park there, park there. You just missed the best parking spot. They don't say that, but if you listen closely, um, she, the woman in the box, can get a little snarky, you know, snippy, when you continually make the wrong choices. Because, like, after a while, it's like, oh, recalculating, please make a legal U-turn, you know, loser. What? Did you hear that? Forget it. It's very interesting. Um, Two weeks ago, if you're here, you know that we were traveling to Chicago and the rental car that we got uh, to get around in had uh, a little box nav there and Shree has an iPhone 4, and she has a navigation system on her phone. And so we had two ladies in two boxes, 
And it was very interesting because they started to have a little bit of a cat fight in the car because they had different ideas about how to get to our destination. And you, you know what that's like, don't you? Having two voices uh, trying to fight each other, right? Um, if you've ever driven kind of cross country or, or a long distance and you only had an FM radio and, and the, the, the station that you're tuned in on cool classic rock starts to transition to all polka all the time, all accordion, and you can hear both at the same time. It will melt your brain if you're not careful. And um, many of us understand what this is like because we often have two voices in our heads telling us how to live, how to go, how to love, how to choose. And um, it can get crazy. And if you've ever felt like if we could just tune the, the radio of our hearts to the right voice um, and drown out all the other voices, our lives would go so much better, so much better. Because whether or not you're a good driver or not, we've all taken some wrong turns in, in life, in love, in relationships, in time spent, in what we invest ourselves in, we invest our time in, what we invest our money in, how we choose to live and speak and love and focus. And um, what if, what if we had chosen differently in the past? What if we knew then what we know now? What if Every time that we had a choice to make, we, we realized that this would have long-term and in some cases, eternal consequences. What if um, our choices were always the best? Because our life kind of consists of our choices so much, you know? It is, it is the sum total often of the choices that we make. In fact, Edward Markham put it very well when he said, choices are the hinges of destiny. And deep down, deep down, we, we can resonate with the truth of that. Choices are the hinges of destiny. But now I'd like you to join me in imagining what it would be like how our lives would be if we could know what the best choice was each and every time, however small, however large. What if no matter what the immediate circumstances or the landscape in front of us looked like, we could know the best step that would draw us closer and closer to God that would give us, um, would give us ultimate, ultimate joy, the greatest ultimate blessing, not only for us, but for the world and God's greatest glory and, and move us closer to the life that he created us to have and to live. What if, what if at every turn in the road, we were not flipping a coin, but had an internal, continuously updated navigation system that knew not only how this choice would would unfold and unpack in the immediate future, but minutes and hours and days and even years and an eternity later. What if, what if we could hear from the only one who truly knows a continuously updated direction for our lives, for our choices? 
the best choice every single time. How much unnecessary pain could we have avoided? How much unspeakable joy in our past would we not have forfeited? How much confidence and assurance would we have had? How many life-giving and beautiful blessings could we have experienced if we had avoided some of the choices that hang with us and haunt us for the rest of our lives? If you're married, this is not a good time to look at your spouse and nod, okay? I'm looking out for you. I live to serve. That's how I am. (laughs) What if? What would you give for that? We're going to find out because you can have it. You can have it. And that's why this is so important. I want to, um, Act 16, that's where we are. Um, Quickly, uh, we're having that baby and child dedication right at the beginning of the 1030 service. I just encourage you to, to stay for that. If you want to, um, if you'd like kind of take the, the seats in the back because we need to make room for people who are going to stay all through that service. But I encourage you to do that. Um, 16 talks about something that links very closely to that uh, up through verses one through five. Um, when Paul meets a young man named Timothy, Now, the thing that connects, we're going to find out more about Timothy as we continue to study Acts. So we're not going to spend a lot of time there. But I want you to see um, the legacy of faith that unfolds in Timothy's life because he was raised in a Christian home. So the first uh, two and a half verses, Paul also came to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek, and he was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. And Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. Okay, now we learn more about Timothy. We find out more about his upbringing in the book of 2 Timothy, uh, uh, chapter one, verse five. And it's written here, I am reminded, he's speaking of Timothy, Paul is. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. And now I am sure dwells in you as well. So we see in this, in this verse three truths, okay? The first is that Tim's dad was a spiritual deadbeat and had little spiritual influence on his life. So glad that doesn't happen anymore. Number two, do we have anybody here named Eunice? Anybody? Anybody? No, good. Okay, can you picture Lois and her husband leafing through the thousand biblical names for baby when they're expecting their daughter? Don't you want to know what the second choice was that they threw out because it wasn't pretty enough and they chose Eunice? Okay, the third thing and the really important one is that he was raised by a grandmother and a mother who worshiped the Lord, who, who had surrendered hearts, not only to the Old Testament God, but at the time of Jesus, they placed their trust in him and they raised Timothy in prayer and in a household that unpacked the gospel for him. And he grew up 
And, and he became a man of faith. That's what each one of the parents who are dedicating children this morning are praying for, are hoping for. That's what they're going for. And what happened to Timothy? He grew up to be a strong man of faith who got his name in the Bible. Okay, well, that's something to shoot for. Okay, not the Bible part. But to, be, to have children who rise up and have a great faith. So we're gonna move on to verse six, and we're gonna, we're gonna go verse by verse there. Let's read the whole thing, and then we'll pray, and then we'll unpack it. I think we've got some time, and you guys are staying anyway. Good. Here we go. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. This is Paul, and uh, uh, he's with uh, Timothy now and Silas. And they went through, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, verse 8 says, passing by Mysia, they went to Troas. Verse 9, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Verse 10, and when Paul had seen the vision immediately, we sought to go on to Macedonia in concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Let's pray. Lord, um, your spirit is heavy in this place. Your spirit is moving. I praise you for that. That is exactly what we need. Lord, we need, to open, we need you to open our ears and our hearts that we might hear you, our eyes that we might see you. And that we might respond to you, Lord, and be changed and transformed. Not the least of which um, need this is, is me, is me. Lord, um, thank you for the way that you show up and show off. Lord, help us see you in all your majesty and glory and respond wholeheartedly. Lord, let us hear, let us hear. Let us see in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, lots, lots happening here. And um, this connects to life now in the sense that every step that, that this group, this Paul-led group, this God-led group takes is by the Holy Spirit. It is life nav. At its, at its best. Now, here we go. Here we go. And they went through, verse 6, the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Okay, what just happened here? Paul's first impulse, Paul's first impulse is to make a trip to Asia to preach the gospel of, of Jesus Christ to them, to the people of Asia, to go to them and, and to tell them that, that God has loved them since, since before he created them, he has loved them. And he loved them so much that Jesus, the one that they've heard about, is the Lord and he has come on a rescue mission for them. That, that the age-old question of what can I do to be made right with God is answered in the sacrifice, in the death, and the life, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that no matter what they've done, no matter what they've been about, no matter how they've strayed, he 
died on the cross in their place as their substitute for their sins, that Paul would go and tell them, I deserve to be on that cross. You deserve to be on that cross because we're all uh, rebels to the great creator and savior God, but he loves us so much that he took our place. That if we would just come to him broken and, and say, I trust you, I confess to you, I need you, Jesus, to come to my rescue There's no other name by which I'm saved as we just cried out to him. That's the truth. You can have right standing in with God no matter what because not of what you've done or not done because of what Jesus has done. Amen? That's what he wants to go. He wants to go to Asia and and, and spread this gospel sound like a good plan, yeah? No. Wasn't the best plan. It wasn't the best plan because the Bible says, the Bible says they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just some external slight difficulty that, that, that came upon them. It's, it's, it's not like you and your wife are driving to your in-laws and, and you say, honey, honey, did you see that sign? Road construction, next two miles. You know how desperately I want to see your mother, but I feel the Holy Spirit is forbidding us. It's not that. It's something deep within Paul's heart that says, God is not here. God is, the, God is not leading us here. There's something else. And I think I know where it is. I think I know what, this, what, the, what the best choice is. I got it, God. I got it. And here's the solution. We're going to Bithynia. Let's see how that plays out. Verse seven. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. The spirit of Jesus did not allow them. It's not like they ran into an invisible wall. It's not like they ran into an invisible wall. The Holy Spirit was directing them not to go there. Not to go there. So what happened? Verse, let's continue. So, verse eight, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, verse nine, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. God wants to make sure that we not only know the places he does not want us to go, but it's a positive thing. That's only so that we can be focused on the place and the, and the direction he does want us to go. And I'm not just talking about traveling. I'm talking about in our, in our hearts, in our minds, in our relationships, on our streets, in our dorms, at the college, at our work, all over the place. He wants to show us his plan. And so he gives Paul, a vision of a man in, in Macedonia, right? We, we heard that. But as soon as, I, as soon as I studied this and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, it immediately reminded me earlier in our study of Acts, Acts 2, 16 through 17. It says this, but this was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days, It shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. 
doesn't this verse that the Old Testament saints and prophets long to see and that the people of this time hunger and thirst for, that God would pour out his spirit and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And this is not sex specific because it goes on to say, I will pour out my spirit on your men and women, bond servants, and they shall prophesy. This is, this is everybody. And the prophetic calendar, the prophetic clock in the Bible has been fulfilled to the point where we know that these are the last days and we know that God has poured out his spirit on all who will come, on all who will surrender. And then there's the third part. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. There you go. And your young men shall see visions and your old men shall, see, shall dream dreams. And my friends in the American church, not just in Bethany, but certainly here, We are living in a time of too little prophecy and too few dreams and all too few visions. And we cling to the past and we don't see where God is leading right now, right now. And I I know that God is yearning to unfold his vision in you and his dreams for redemption in you. And I'm just, I'm just not sure that all of us want it. Those of you here, um, I'm trying to do this right. How many of you This is not about me. Please, please know. This is not about me. This is is about God. How many of you um, were here four years ago when the last pastor finished and and I kind of strangely came on board? How many of you? Handful. Handful. We'll have a packed house at 1030. It'll proportionally be about the same. When you hear from God, it may cost. It may cost you people you love. It may cost you a lot of budget. It may cost you nights without sleep. It may cost you people walking away and calling you names. Um... Four years ago, um, I wasn't, I didn't have a pastor's heart. Um, when God called me into this, I was and still am, and still am, under-equipped for the mantle that he has placed on me. He is enough, but me in, in my frailty am not. And make no mistake about it something began to happen. God began to place in my heart some things that are absolutely not part of my flesh. I, I never had a heart burden 
for the souls of people that I don't know, that I don't know, not to overwork city market. But I suddenly found myself unexplainably passing people in the aisles, praying that God would rescue them, that their souls would be saved for their children, for their families, for their marriages, for their hearts. Um, it was beautiful and it was overwhelming. And God gave me and a few others a vision after much prayer that we would be a growing, relevant family of missionaries, missionaries whose great desire, whose desperation is to see the city of Gunnison and the College of Western know Jesus Christ. And we would do everything short of sin. We would sacrifice everything, our comfort, our preferred style, our comfortable religion to relevantly preach the word and share the gospel, not only on Sunday, but in our lives. This is not about me. This is not about me. But one day, one day, I will stand before Jesus Christ and he will say, were you a missionary? Did you lead my people to sacrifice everything so that the city and the college might know and find life in me? Many, most Christians, most Christians that I know want those far from Christ to come to him. Very few Christians that I know want it so much that they're willing to sacrifice their preferred style of religion. And they will abandon you. Before you cry out to hear from God, before you beg for a vision or a dream, Know that he is enough. He must be enough. And he is. And he is. There are many people. I know how to raise money. That's what I do. That's my full-time job at the college. The way that, the way that you raise money, one of them is you keep the donors happy. You keep the donors happy. The tithers, the older folks who give regularly and, and generously. The way that you build the kingdom of God is you keep Jesus happy. Because the message of the cross is I came and sacrificed everything for you. If you're gonna follow me, can you do any less? 
can you do any less? So it's not about amplified music or sitting in circles. We're not using church terms. It's about connecting with our culture with an unchanging, non-negotiable message of the truth of Jesus Christ and his love that is so great that no matter where we've been, he's calling us to come home and he's paid the price. To do that, you've got to be a repentant person. To do that, you have to be willing to change and change continually. And to do that, you must be willing to sacrifice all and be fully surrendered. If it would bring people to Christ, I would preach in a kilt and have bagpipes on the stage. Do you know what music I love? What Christian music I love? I love the old hymns, yeah. I like the old vineyard stuff from the 70s and 80s, you know. It's cheesy, I know, I know. Don Moen, all that stuff. I love that. Touches my heart. It's not the music of our culture. And Jesus became flesh. Jesus became flesh and suffered because that's our culture. He sacrificed it all. I'll listen to that on my own time. Because if somebody can come in here and hear afresh and anew the gospel, the gospel that saves, one day I'll realize that's all that matters. That's all that matters. That day is not just when I stand before Jesus. It's today. It's tomorrow. There's a cost associated with following Jesus Christ. And I'm not coming down on you. The fact that you're here means to some degree or another you've, you've embraced that. You've embraced that. Okay, that's my rant. We go on. Come over to Macedonia and help us. That's what they were saying. A man from Macedonia And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Immediately, when he heard from God, immediately he said, that's what I'm waiting for. That's what I need to know. That's how I'm gonna act. That's how I'm gonna move. We're not waiting. We heard, let's go, let's go. Paul, I want you to see this. I want you to see this. If Paul, who is arguably at the time one of the most Jesus-connected, Jesus-transformed people walking on the face of the earth, has two choices that he thinks are right first and they're not, and they're not, then we not only have to be seeking to hear from God when we're at that point when we don't know what to do, We need to be equally seeking God and desperate to hear his voice and follow it when we're sure that we do know what to do. Because Paul was sure. And yet he heard, no, no, here, here. Another thing I want to point out, we worship 
a God in Trinity. Um, we see it here. In, in, look in verse 6. So the first time, it's the Holy Spirit that speaks to them and, 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 and forbids them. In verse 8, it is, um, no, 7. It's the Spirit of Jesus who does not allow them. And then in 10, they get a, a vision that they interpret from God. So we have the Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Spirit of Jesus. That's what's living inside us, right? That's what's possessing us. And the vision comes from God, God the Father. So here in this very passage, we have a, a, a depiction of the Trinity, the God, and I, I can't fully understand this, but I know it's true. God is the Holy Spirit. God is Jesus. God is God the Father. And, and yet they're one. They're one. I, uh, you know, we have a lot of lame ways to explain it, but they all break down because um, it's just true. It's just true. I, I just need to accept it. It's real. And, and what we see here is God is in relationship God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're in relationship. And the great thing is, it's like this beautiful dance of, of love and creation. And, 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 and he's inviting us into that, right? So not only is he inviting us into that relationship with him, he's inviting us into that relationship with his people because he's indwelling his people. And we hear better from him when we're in relationship with his people, which is why it's so important for us to be part of a life group, to be connecting with each other, because very often he, he speaks through his word. He speaks directly to our hearts through the Holy Spirit, and he, he speaks to us in the way that we can really uh, understand through his people. Now, we need to not be just, just you and me, Jesus, just you and me, that. It's never the plan. And the best way that he could think his God-led thoughts to help the people of Macedonia was to go there, verse 10 says, and, and to preach the gospel to them. Preach the gospel. You never outgrow the gospel. Preach the gospel and the goodness of Jesus to those who are far from him. Preach it in your home. Preach it in your life. Preach it to those who believe. We will never find the bottom, the depths of the glory of the gospel. It is able to save and to continue to save and to save in the future. It is the point. What if God is always speaking? And we just can't hear him. What if God is, I've gone longer than I wanted to. I'm, I apologize. We'll wrap it up. What if God is always speaking and you and I are just most of the time unable to hear him? What if we could? What if we could? What if we had the ability to hear from God at any time about any situation. If you're a Christian, if you become one today, you have that ability because it is the spirit that hears the spirit. Are you, are you following? He can open our ears and open our hearts. And I'm reminded of a story real quick of a, a man I met recently who was on a safari 
And uh, he heard from the leader of the safari um, that there was along the path that they were going to take in this large jeep, the great lion, the king of the pride, who had ruled in this area for many years. And he was an awesome and mighty specimen. They're headed back to the camp, not having seen the lion. And the leader of the expedition who's driving the Jeep says, this is the last best place that he might be. And they're going through an area of tall grass on this dirt road. And they're talking in the back about how neat it would be, but it looks like he's not there. And all of a sudden they observe that the leader, uh, the driver has something come upon him. And it's as if every one of his senses is heightened. And he slows the Jeep and it comes to a stop. And each person there knew this wasn't a time to speak. And he carefully opened the Jeep and he said, stay here and never do this. He stepped out and put his feet on the ground. And from the grass stood this massive lion who had been there all along. And they watched in awe. And he quickly got back in the Jeep, closed the door, and drove off. And when they got to the cabin, they asked him how he knew. And he said, although this is kind of almost uh, neo-pagan in the way he described it. Did you not hear? The grass was speaking. The wind was speaking. The trees were speaking. The lion was speaking of his presence. Somehow, most people have lost the ability to hear that. He hadn't. I'm not saying listen to the grass. I'm not saying listen to the trees. I'm not saying listen to the wind. I'm saying that all along, the lion of Judah is speaking and he is near. And many of us, many of us have lost the ability to hear. But what if, what if we could tune it back? That's the good news. We can. The Bible says today, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart because it'll make it harder to hear him tomorrow. But if we hear and we respond, we tune, we tune, right? To the life navigation of the Holy Spirit who is speaking. But we need transformed hearts. That's what we need. What would you give to have that? Would you give a fully surrendered heart? 
to hear from your personal life navigation, Holy Spirit say, you have reached your destination. Well done. Well done. This is too big. Too big. You know, we don't have all day. But we do have next week. So we're going to dive into how do we do that? How do we grow into that? How do we hear better? We're going to do that next week. God's given us enough to chew on. Let's pray.